Welcome to the Brand Evolution Show. I'm Tom Sullivan with Westward Marketing Lab. Uh, by way of introduction, I've been involved in marketing for over 28 years in one form or another. Uh, I've swept the floors of marketing. Uh, I've been a product manager, uh, product marketing manager, uh, vice president of marketing, uh, uh, you name it. I've, I've shoveled, um, I've, I've set directions, plans, uh, had full P&L responsibility. Uh, been responsible for uh, growing brand in technology and consumer packaged good companies. Uh, and honestly, it isn't so much about the path I've walked as um, just always trying to learn from people I worked with and from the example set by uh, people who were more successful, more educated, uh, worked in different scenarios than I did. And, uh, and so I thought, you know, I got to the point where in my career, I wanted to give back. And um, so anyway, this, that's where the show came from. I wanted to put together um, a forum where uh, you could ask questions. I could answer hopefully some of them and uh, other people listening and watching could potentially answer the rest uh, where we could all get better as marketers. Anyway, um, where I would start is probably going back to uh, the situation I started in with marketing, which is just to kind of paint a picture of how different uh, our, all of our realities are today. Um, marketing is just very different today than when I graduated uh, from Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo in 1992. Go Mustangs. Uh, cell phones existed, but, you know, they were not a, a consumer product, right? They were like what you saw in World War II, uh, about half the size of a shoebox, so large. Uh, they were very expensive, they were very exclusive, and the network that uh, carried them, the network was very poor and unreliable. Uh, so you can imagine that you know getting a hold of people back in the day was very different than it is today. Uh, and extend that to the internet. The internet was just shifting from a handful of servers around the world um, to the interface we know today as the World Wide Web. And the World Wide Web was just, you know, in 1992, 93, starting to be produced by um, a handful, again, a handful of universities and, and high-tech companies. And I was fortunate enough to be in one of those high-tech companies where we adopted, we, we were tapped into what was happening with the internet. Uh, we built a website and corporate email was just getting out of the gate. So uh, there were no social networks. Uh, we didn't have email marketing programs. We didn't have really anything established on the internet. Uh, so my first job out of college was with a company uh, called Wavefront Technologies, which was a software company uh, in California that was making high-end Unix, uh, primarily 3D animation software for film and television. They also did some uh, data visualization for um, scientific purposes and forensic recreation of, of uh, you know, fluids and accidents and things like that. And then also did some uh, 2D compositing, which was uh, what you would think of today After Effects doing or even some um, editing tools. But they were really early in on, on 2D um, animation or 2D uh, compositing. Uh, so in that setting where we didn't actually, you know, we were a high-tech company, we were on the cutting edge of, of these platforms and these abilities, we still didn't have what we would consider today as digital marketing. Um, we, we actually, um, you know, we were about as uh, 
technical as it gets, but to be perfectly honest, you know, we weren't any more digital than, you know, the company down the street that was doing something completely offline. Um, you know, we, our marketing consisted of mailing out flyers and postcards to distributors, um, uh, to our uh, systems integrators. We ran print ads and uh, vertical graphics pub publications. Um, we, we went to trade shows with our company URL stitched across the back of our shirts. That was actually a thing in the day. You, can you imagine? And it had the full thing, right? It had to have HTTP colon slash slash www.companyname.com. And, and I mean, that fit again, that had to fit on your placard or up the back of your shirt. And, you know, it became the thing you saw everybody walking. That was the norm, right? Can you imagine that now if you went to a trade show? Like, I mean, it would be an attention getter, but that people would wonder what was wrong. Um, anyway, uh, so we, we did all these offline things, right? We did what was available to us. So we were still, again, direct mail. We'd print ads. We, um, we actually collected leads at the shows, and then we would follow up with them by putting them on a mailing list, and we would send them a mail-up postcard to try to gauge interest. I mean, we built a really crude database. Um, it was like pre-SQL, at least for us, uh, just so we could market to people and have a, you know, we could basically output um, Avery labels to stick on postcards and, and fold up flyers and things like that. So we were, you know, t highly technical, and yet this was our reality. And people don't realize how easy it is today compared to back then in terms of the tools we have available to us to, um, you know, to collaborate, uh, to keep track of leads, to nurture, all, all of these things that we do in performance marketing. Those tools didn't really exist back then. Um, you know, I, I kept track of leads on a Rolodex on my desk. And I, I know that feels like very like 1950s and 60s, but, um, you know, basically I had a... a you know, even if when we moved to just contact cards in a tray, I had clipped, like literally clipped and stapled postcard or um, business cards to my Rolodex cards. And so as I'm rolling through, I'm like, oh, that one's out of order. Pull the card out, move it. I mean, this, this we have come a long way. The point is, today's digital marketing is nothing like what the reality was 25, 28 years ago. And so the question starts to become, if it's so much easier and the tools are so much better and we're doing either a mix of traditional and, and digital or entirely digital marketing, uh, there's so much, there's so many free platforms out there that allow us to uh, create our messaging and reach people with it. You know, why are people still having such a hard time uh, connecting and making an impact? And the reality is, it, it's much harder now to cut through the noise because in society we're inundated, we're, we're bombarded with media. So what allows you to cut through the noise and genuinely connect with people? It, it's your brand. So the goal here of, of this show, the Brand Evolution Show, is to discuss not only brand but also all forms of marketing and how to, how to actually reach and connect with people with your brand. It's quite simply that. So whether you own a business um, or you're a member of a corporate marketing team or you're simply interested in learning how to be more effective with marketing, my goal is to be a resource for you and hopefully build a community of us that become a resource for each other. Um, 
the point is not to be uh, the end-all be-all when it comes to marketing, but just simply to help you get over the hurdles and, and maintain momentum and keep going forward as you try to reach and connect with people and, and promote your brand. So moving right along, in this episode, I will talk about brand, how it was defined in the past and its purpose then, what it means today, and how it differs from other marketing strategies, and why it should be one of, be at the core of your marketing strategy and execution. Uh, there's quite a bit of confusion about uh, what it means when you say brand. Um, people think that uh, they think it's a, a limited set of aspects of brand, and, and they assume uh, that's what you mean by brand. So, for example, uh, they might think it's your logo, your tagline, um, it's your look and feel, uh, it's, um, it's, it's your brand identity statement, or it's you know, an aspect of brand that you've put out. But in reality, those are just components, so they're part of the whole, uh, but they're not really at the core of what your brand is. They're, uh, they're part of your, um, you know, what you would put out to the world to express your brand or a guideline for expressing your brand. But that's really not your brand. So, so what is your brand? Uh, your brand is the reason why you do what you do. It's your passion. It's your motivation. It's the reason why you wanted to start your business. Right. It's it's the the reason that uh, that drives you in your business. And as a small business, that's really easy to identify. As a larger business, it maybe has grown up over the years by uh, developing um, a product focus. Right. We we build a product or a service, and we we enhance it based on uh, customer feedback, which is good. Um, and then we build our revenues, and then we plateau. I mean, that's the normal life cycle, right? You plateau and then you're trying to get past that plateau of growth and you're not sure how to do it. And the reality is that you've, you've probably ignored your brand or you have grown brand, but it's you've let almost external factors define it because you haven't really taken a strategic approach to defining it. That makes it a little harder than if you were a single business owner to, to reconnect with the reason why you do what you do. Uh, if the reason you do what you do is motivated strictly by finances, you only want to make money and you only want to count money and you want to attribute everything you do back to money, then brand is not for you. And, and that's fine. It's, it, it's not for everyone. But the largest companies in the world, uh, the largest brands in the world as we would define them, are all in on brand. And they're all in on brand because they understand that that is how they will win in their market and expand into new markets. So every brand you can think of off the top of your head invests in this and they do it for a reason. And does it guarantee that you're gonna win in business? No, but it guarantees that you have a better chance of being successful long-term in your business. So, so getting back to this, what is brand? Um, again, it's, it's, it's your motivation, it's your passion, it's the reason why you do what you do. And the reason that's at the core of brand is because that is what people connect with. So brand is really uh, what people emotionally connect to in your identity, right? It's what resonates with them, the people in your target audience. So they connect to you and your people and your company and your products at an emotional level. So brand is an emotional connection. 
and everything else I mentioned before. Your logo, your tagline, your brand identity statement, uh, even down to the point of your product, when people unbox it and do unboxing videos, brand is the connection they feel or they don't feel if there isn't brand put through all of those elements. So it's, it's really important. It's, it's core to what you're doing. It's the DNA of, of why you do what you do. But it also has to be managed closely and effectively so that you don't send mixed messages, so that you don't do things that are considered off-brand. Um, you know, that it's very important. Uh, one way that I used to look at this was through the lens of, and I'm borrowing this, uh, there's a book called The Hero and the Outlaw, which defined uh, brands in terms of literary characters. And uh, they would talk about how different brands would fit into these literary characters. You know, the hero, the outlaw, the, the everyman. Uh, and you could tie, you know, famous people to these, uh, these brands. And so I would talk about how um, Tom Hanks is an everyman, right? He wasn't uh, drunk at two in the morning outside the Viper Room in Los Angeles, right? That, that's not part of Tom Hanks' brand. Does that mean Tom Hanks is a great guy all the time? I mean, I think he is, but maybe not, right? Maybe he kicks his dog and throws things and has fits, you know, rages and who knows? But that's not his public brand, right? And so it, it gets really hard for people to, um, to maintain those public brands, especially with, when you're now saying, I have a thousand people in my company. How do all these customer-facing touch points uh, align with my brand. So there's a lot of process and a lot of structure that goes into this. And, um, you know, again, smaller companies have it much easier, but these are all structures that need to be put in place if you want to make sure that you're consistently uh, and impactfully resonating with your target audience and customers. So um, how does it fit into these other types of, of marketing? Um, specifically, let's start with brand marketing because that's the easiest. Uh, brand marketing, you know, is a result of putting your why out to the world through all of your marketing programs. You create an emotional connection uh, between your company, service, product, people, and uh, your target audience, uh, which attracts them to your reason for doing business, right? Okay, so, so why brand marketing and not um, performance, growth, all these other types of marketing. Well, I'm not really actually saying that it's this or that, right? Um, you know, to create an emotional connection with your target audience and customers, that's the goal of, of taking your brand and implementing it into your brand marketing programs, right? And you say, okay, well, that's great. That, that feels good. I like the way that sounds, but what's the business upside, right? Well, here are the top five, in my opinion, the top five reasons why you would implement brand into your performance marketing. Um, one, you get a higher return on your ad spend, or your, if you don't look at this just as media spend, if you look at this in, as your entire uh, sales channel, meaning your, your inside reps, uh, people who are qualifying leads, uh, setting appointments, you put that entire channel in, in play as a cost structure, you get a higher return investment from that uh, from that group or from that pipeline, um, and and the reason I mean let's just look at return on ad spend real quick. Uh, if you look at 
let's say, uh, Google Ads, and you look at the non-branded keywords, meaning uh, search terms that people would uh, search for in generally in general what you do, not you, but you know what you do, your your product in general, the category you're in, the service that you provide for anybody around who provides that service. Uh, it's expensive. It's expensive, but more expensive to get that click on your ad, so your bids are higher. Right, your click-through rate's lower. There's more competition, so you know Google is sharing those ad impressions among more people, and that drives up the bid cost in the auction. Your click-through rate's going to be lower because you have fewer ads showing overall as a percentage of the ads that are showing with all the competition. Right, so you know people have options; they're going to click through different ads. Um, you may not ever get that person coming to your website because they're not looking for you; they're looking for what you do in general. So that's a highly competitive, expensive click to get. And then when you say, okay, a conversion as I define it would be uh, either a lead or a sale or both, depending on whether or not you're an online business and you can track your uh, e-commerce directly back to your ad campaign, uh, you know, it becomes extremely expensive to generate that conversion or that sale, right? In that mode, because clicks are more expensive. now. Compare that to just your brand, right? If somebody comes on Google and they type in the name of your company, what's going to pop up? Your ad and maybe two or three other ads at the top of the page. What are they likely to click on? Your ad. And where's your ad going to appear? Usually in the first position. Nine times out of ten or more in the first position. Uh, and why is that? Because you're the most qualified for that search result. So when people have a high intent to come find you, the click is less expensive, the click-through rate's really high because they're looking for you, right? And they're more likely to convert, so the conversion rate's really high, and the cost to get that conversion, whether it's a lead or a sale, is really low. So what happens is as you start to grow your brand, and this is, again, a very specific uh, very specific example, but as you start to grow your brand, your really high cost, high competitive, low return non-brand starts getting replaced by in or as a ratio with a more brand. So your non-brand leads may be the same, but your branded leads increase, and that increases basically your return on ad spend. You're spending less money overall. A higher percentage of your spend goes into brand at a lower cost. And so, what do you know, I'm still on number one. Uh, sorry, return on ad spend, not to be so tangential, but your return on ad spend is much better as you build your brand, okay? Number two, hopefully I didn't cover all five in that first answer. I do that occasionally. Uh, lower average customer acquisition cost. Okay, so that was part of the scenario at the end, right? Um, your customer acquisition cost in this scenario with paid search singled out, is your um, your your cost uh, based on the number of clicks that went into that specific uh, acquisition, right? So your um, the number of clicks it took for you to get that specific lead or tied to that keyword. But in Google Ads, will actually put all of the cost for a campaign. If it's all non-brand, you would look at it and say, okay, well, I got one for six dollars, but I spent a total of thirty, so my 
like cost per acquisition or, or CPA was $30. Then you look at the brand side and it's going to be much less, right? So you, you basically <clears throat> are, re, are lowering your average customer cost because more brand leads at a cheaper cost. <clears throat> yeah, so I did cover at least two of them with the first answer. Um, here's a good one. Number three, lower average time to close. So if you have people coming looking for you, meaning they already see value in your brand, they most likely already looked at your product or service, and they're coming in to learn more specifically about fit, or they're coming in to purchase because they've already done that. When people come in and they're not really qualified, meaning they downloaded a white paper uh, because the white paper interested them, so they've had a touch point, but they aren't, they aren't really connected to you in any way. They haven't really bought into that your solution is the right solution for them. Then, you know, you don't have... <clears throat> you're, <clears throat> you're, you're going to have people who are in a pipe and they're going to take longer to close. People who are bought in on your brand side are going to take less time to close. And so, again, your average time as the ratio comes down, the more brand-driven leads you have coming through the pipe. Um, this results, you'll see this in, like, higher inventory velocity. Um, you'll see it in uh, even, like, a higher revenue uh, velocity, meaning shorter time to close. Um and then the fifth reason, <clears throat> fourth reason, sorry, uh, higher annual recurring revenue, higher AOR. So if you start to collect people as customers and retain them, <clears throat> then you will have, um, you will have your AOR goes up. Uh, you spend less time <clears throat> closing people than people might have closed in the next calendar year or closing in this calendar year. And so you're basically just shortening your pipe. And, and you're getting more revenue into the current cycle. So your annual recurring revenues start to creep up. And, uh, you know, that is by definition what we're trying to accomplish with growth marketing. So um, there is brand again, you know, fueling growth marketing. Uh, and the fifth reason is, um, is average lifetime value. Uh, people talk about LTV quite a bit. Uh, and and everyone likes to talk about customer retention and the things you need to do to uh, maximize lifetime value. And to me, that's it's become a very popular thing to talk about, similar to um, conversion optimization and um, you know CRO, conversion rate optimization. Um, there are a lot of ways to do that, but you have to take a more holistic approach. Um, you can't you can't just say, well, the lifetime value is this because. Um, you know, they, on average, customers last this long and, and then they turn over or they go to a different brand or they stop using, our, you know, the product or service altogether. Uh, the reality is, is that um, if people are tied to your brand, they'll keep, they'll keep upping for your service. They'll keep buying the new version that comes out. Um, you know, whether it's a, a SaaS product, you know, a, a cloud-based accounting system, a cloud-based membership, uh, or, you know, your brand of car Right. Uh, if you like that brand and you've had a good experience with that brand, whatever that is, you're most likely uh, going to buy it again and keep buying it. And so what that does is you stay a customer longer um, and uh, outside of trying to game actuarial tables, the reality is that people will stay with you longer and they'll keep buying your products. So um, quickly recapping, because I didn't go through it quickly the first time, uh, my five reasons to build your brand, higher return on ad spend. Or, or return on investment in total, lower average customer acquisition cost, or CAC, as a lot of people like to say, or CPA, um, 
lower number three lower average time to close right you have it doesn't take as long to close customers overall if a bunch of them are on in a very short sales cycle with you because they're looking for your brand meaning at the top of the funnel you've you've done your work uh, number four uh, high average annual recurring revenue right so you're a higher average so you're going you're basically growing your annual uh, revenue recurring revenue uh, and then uh, five higher average customer lifetime value so those are the five reasons and and notice that they all really speak to cost and revenue they're they're all P&L related now I could probably come up with five more seven more and and riff for an hour and a half about you know these these seven other reasons and, and you might have a totally different five and disagree um, but anyway those are my five and I found that most clients you know when you talk about making money and spending less to make it that resonates um, it, it's not as simple to sell <laughs> to sell all of the branding concepts because some of them as as we'll talk about are aren't as measurable um, which again in, in a in a c-suite isn't isn't super popular but in terms of doing what's effective sometimes you, you have to you have to be willing not to be able to measure every step of the process um, anyway so let's let's move on um, uh, so is is this what we we always mean when we talk about brand marketing? Like, is is brand marketing what it always was? And and the reality is no. Um, it it feels like uh, over the years, um, as I've been in business, there have been a number of new concepts and strategies, and uh, you know thought processes, and you know to sell books and and speeches and. And, uh, you know, uh, all of us suckers have, have bought them. And I own all of them. So I, I can't really, like, go out there and say, oh, you, you know, you came up with this concept just as a way to, you know, put the thinking slightly askew and, and make people really like this new way of looking at the same old thing. In effect, that's what we do in marketing. So, um, yeah, I guess the easiest people to sell to are salespeople. And the easiest people to market to would, would I guess, be marketers. So that's why my... My bookshelf is full of Seth Godin books and books on brand, and um, I'm, I know I'm not alone in that. In fact, I've got some of Seth under my monitors right now holding them up. Um, so thank you. Thank you for writing just the, the perfect height of book. Um, and I've read them. They're not just, they're not just holding my monitors up. Uh, that wouldn't be a great compliment. Um, so so what, you know, what was brand marketing? Um, you know, in the good old days, uh, you know, brand as a concept uh, was, um, you know, a unique identifier that was developed, a, a name, a, a tagline, a name, a logo, um, and these other unique identifiers, packaging, color schemes, a lot of what we kind of thought of, you know, into the, even into the 90s about brand. Um, and the reason, this is, this is what's different. The reason was they wanted to set a company, uh, a product or a service apart from other generic options, which allowed the brand to command a higher price. I mean, I think that's still true for Kraft Mac and Cheese, right? Um, but seriously, like it was, it was monetary. It was uh, a perceived value move. It was a strategic, psychological, strategic. Uh, uh, um, value move and it was it was transactional and if you think about it um, the opposite is actually happening in a lot of channels today in many channels 
it's still used, the branding, you know, is still used to, um, you know, by large retailers and online brands such as Walmart and Amazon and maybe Dick's Sporting Goods to private label products and that are used to compete with established brand names at a lower price. So as opposed to getting a higher price because they're, you know, a brand versus something generic, they're now using these, these brands that they license themselves directly for them, you know, to put out where they have more margin to compete against the larger brands that they're actually buying those products and putting them on the shelf next to themselves. And it's really just about, it's transactional, it's about gaining extra margin. Um, so, so the main goal of the application in the past and, and the application now in retail um, was transactional and it was not really what we're talking about on the show, which is trying to generate and develop a lasting emotional connection with our target audience, right? There, nothing in transactional marketing is about emotional connection. And that's really the goal of what we're trying to do here. So, um, and, and trying to help you do here. And more importantly, uh, so the role in um, in traditional marketing was, you know, the role of traditional marketing was really kind of limited in scope, uh, look and feel. It was subject to inconsistency by campaign, right? Uh, there really wasn't this thread running through everything, uh, unless you had somebody who really had a lot of vision. They didn't necessarily call it brand, but there really wasn't a thread running through all of marketing campaigns. Um, with brand marketing, you know, it's at the core of your business. So it doesn't just run through all of your marketing campaigns, but it runs through, you know, your, uh, your brand lexicon, your, um, your features and benefits, your, the terminology used to speak about your brand. And that goes all the way down, it goes through your um, sales tools, it goes through your support teams, it goes uh, through the, the packaging that goes out the door and what gets put in the packaging. Right, it goes into all of these because these are all customer facing, right? So, so the role now is that you're able to align yourself to make sure that you don't misstep in terms of the way people view you, the way they connect to you. Um, so it's interesting, you know, um, just looking at the other ways that brand has changed over the years, uh, you, you know, now you hear people talking about brand marketing and, you know, they talk about demand generation. And the term has been around for a while, but it's it's really kind of at the forefront again. And demand generation uh, is really still just brand marketing, right? It's about using, um, you know, listening to customers. It's about uh, focusing on uh, what customers want and, and providing it to them in a way that um, generates an emotional connection. Um, so... It might be helpful to like kind of talk about a couple of these other uh, so demand gen type marketing space uh, elements. And, you know, one that also comes out is content marketing. Um, content marketing is um, basically brand marketing. It's taking your brand and generating materials that uh, speak to and resonate with your audience. Uh, so co content marketing is defined by the Content Marketing Institute is... Uh, a strategic marketing approach focused on creating and distributing valuable, relevant, and consistent content to attract and retain a clearly defined audience and ultimately to drive profitable customer action. That sounds like brand marketing, right? Um, it doesn't specify whether it's brand or performance marketing. 
but it, it basically is saying that it's fueling profitable performance marketing, and that in effect is what brand marketing does. Um, a couple of a couple of interesting uh, questions that came up uh, prior to the show had to do with um, media types, and there seemed to be some confusion about uh, owned, earned, and paid media, uh, and how specifically people should go about. And I think probably diving into that more would be better on another show specifically in terms of talking about how to execute on a brand marketing plan. But I just wanted to cover the definitions quickly of what those are. Uh, owned media is um, is really kind of the, the key internal driver of value for your brand. Uh, it is, it's any media in your digital marketing channel uh, that you create and, and you curate. Okay, and this would be uh, an example. Examples would be like your website, um, uh, white papers, uh, a podcast, a webcast, uh, a live stream, uh, any social media content, uh, post stories, um, TikTok videos, uh, anything that you create and and put out that you control. That's that's owned. You own it, right? You did it. Um, it, it's it's the benefits are that uh, when you own the media, you you shape it, right? You control what happens so that you know you can have the brand consistency flow throughout your media. Um, own media increases the effectiveness of of paid media and earned media uh, for for your business, whether you're online or brick and mortar. Um, so own media is very important because it helps shape the dialogue, right? And that's important when you think about the next section or the next area, which is earned media. And earned media is an external driver of value for your brand, right? Owned is internal. You internally own it. And earned is external to your company, right? So uh, you do not have complete control over earned media. That's where it, it gets a little dicey. Um, it, it somewhat covers influencers, um, because now influencer marketing is is somewhat seen as owned marketing because you're sending out product, but you're also sending out and communicating what you want said about your product. So it, it's product placement. Um, but you could consider influencers in this group. Um, so anything uh, earned media would be word of mouth, right? We do a great job with our brand. We do a great job marketing. We make a sale. The person gets the product. They love the product. They tell their friend. Uh, they might uh, mention it in social media. The person may have, um, they may be an influencer or they may just be somebody who likes to get on and talk about products and maybe they aspire to be an influencer and <clears throat> friends and family maybe follow them primarily, right? That's, that's a social mention. Uh, somebody might... Uh, see something and share it. It's not a contest. It's not a share this to win that. It's just they, they see an ad or they see something and they're like, hey, I use this and they share it, right? Or they share it off your site on their social media. Uh, reviews um, are, they're, they're a bit flimsy, to be honest, because I think uh, most people don't 100% trust reviews and they don't really take them at face value. Um, but in terms of uh, overall like credibility, uh, that would also fall in that same category. So, um, yeah, reviews reviews would be part of the earned media, uh, assuming that you know they're not taking you down in flames for an interaction. Um, any inclusion in in a blog, 
um, or a, a video, right, where somebody is like doing a vlog and they talk about your product or they interview someone from your company and they allow you to come in, um, you know, that's where you've earned through a relationship, you've earned that exposure. Uh, industry roundups, you know, holiday gift guides, um, whether it's uh, Christmas or Valentine's Day or any other holiday where they, they could be you know, the best gifts for your, you know, whatever. Um, uh, any anytime you can uh, do guest writing for a blog or um, you know show up on a podcast, uh, any awards you you would get your company, uh, your product or service, uh, and then also like PR mentions, right? You put PR out there, and then you know bloggers um, they follow and they pick up on these news stories about new products, and if they blog based on your vertical market, then they might pick that up, right? That's all earned, meaning. You, you can influence that. You can kind of start the ball rolling with what you're doing with what you own and what you put out um, because without that, no, no one would be aware of you. But, uh, but you, actually, uh, you actually do earn this through, um, you, through your brand because people who see the piece of media don't have to write about you. But if they have a, a positive connection to your brand a positive thought, whatever that positive emotion is that they connect with you, no matter how subtle it is, it will actually drive more earned media exposure, okay? And then paid media is like what I was talking about. It could be um, uh, Google ads, uh, Microsoft ads, formerly Bing ads. Uh, it could be ads on Amazon, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, you name it. Uh, could be any anything uh, that you pay, the paid media, where you purchase that uh, on a on a third party platform. So that's owned, earned, and paid media, uh, and those are all effective ways to uh, promote your brand and get your brand out there. Um, performance marketing. This is kind of interesting because uh, we've been talking a lot about brand and then how brand uh, how does all these great things for you uh, on through. Uh, customer acquisition costs and revenue and lifetime value. But really kind of outside of, of brand marketing, meaning kind of top of funnel, um, a lot of what people have been focused on is, is performance marketing, right? And that's your trackable, measurable, uh, down to the click, down to the action uh, type of marketing. And, um, you know, advertisers, you know, you can measure everything from the cost of acquisition incrementally, uh, like getting new customers, um, average order value. Like everyone likes to, to measure everything. You go into analytics and, and if you're an e-commerce site, you, you're seeing the funnel steps and you see where people are coming from. And um, But in reality, a lot of what fuels success in performance marketing is not measurable. It's a lot of what you're doing in owned media, uh, even outside of, you know, keyword ranking in uh, SEO. It's, uh, you know, outside of the things that you can look at and say, yeah, we're up or down two or three. And, um, you know, we had seven keywords that went up. And so the reality is that, you know, if you're not building up impressions of your brand, positive connection, if you're not really pushing on that side of things, then you're still going to plateau. Because at some point, uh, it's going to be harder and harder to find new customers. And the reason is because people are geared to look for things that are new, right? 
And that's what, in lieu of having any other emotional connection to your brand, if you're not putting out new things all the time, then you start to fall off the radar and you start to lose ground to bigger brands. And I worked in an environment, I've worked in several environments where this was the case. We would put out new stuff, new stuff, new stuff, new stuff, because we were playing, you know, that was our, that was the currency of our economy was new. That was our brand was look for something new. And we conditioned people to look for something new. And then we, we had to do things that were new. And unfortunately, that just isn't going to uh, build a, a lot of, of emotional connection with people because you just kind of, you're triggering, you know, limited excitement, limited excitement. And, and you're also running down, you know, the cattle shoot with everybody else who's just putting out something new. And so it's really difficult to, um, to separate yourself out from that pack uh, because you're really not worried about, like, are, how are people going to think about us as a company? How are we going to connect with the people who use our products? You know, you're not necessarily doing all those things at, at the core of, of, you know, all of your planning and strategy. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's difficult. Um, it's very difficult to, uh, to stand apart and, and to do things that will, um, you know, really fuel your performance marketing in a way that are measurable and, um, and sustainable, um, so that that's why that's another reason why if you're on the you know if you look at it as brand and performance marketing as the two elements um, that you really need brand in your performance marketing to to get over that future inevitable uh, plateau that you'll hit or, or multiple plateaus. Uh, so over the last five years or so, the the term um, a lot of people have moved away from using the term performance marketing because. They felt like performance marketing was, you know, your funnel down to the point where you create a customer. But, um, you know, when they were looking at the metrics of it and saying, well, okay, you can create a customer. But the problem is when you get to the point where uh, you have a customer at the bottom of the funnel, you have to have a you have to keep collecting customers. And you, you based on your cost of acquisition and, you know, what your margins are you're running on, you know, you basically could be losing money acquiring customers if you don't retain them for longer. So then the focus became kind of post-sale. And that's where kind of the, the term shifted from performance marketing to growth marketing, meaning we have to retain the customers, we have to get them to buy again. And the focus was really on kind of like a post-funnel uh, process or cycle where, you know, you would uh, feed back into customers, you really focus on customers and um, that's so now we have kind of like brand going into growth marketing as the two components. Um, but some people are still in the performance marketing mode where they don't really do much with customers once they purchased other than have support in place. Um, maybe they have a, a forum where you can go, but it isn't interactive. They're not doing live chat. They're not really taking care of people maybe in the way that people would want to be taken care of. And they don't really reach out to validate what those those reasons are that people bought from them and would stay with them or leave for a competitor. Um, and all of those are elements of growth marketing, really. It's, it's really about uh, nurturing the customer once they're already your customer <clears throat> to keep them there for as long as possible. And again, that hits on the last two points of brand, which is uh, maximizing your ARR and um, uh, maximizing the lifetime value of the customer. So those, those speak to the growth goals. Um, 
I'm just looking over my notes really quick to see what else I wanted to cover. Um, so what's the best approach uh, to implementing brand marketing? Uh, one, define your brand. Uh, the reason why you do what you do, right? Your brand is going to be your emotional connection, your audience-focused content, and it must be at the core of your strategy. Uh, an example would be, um, you know, a, a great video was one that uh, Simon Sinek did years ago at TED called The Golden Circle. And I'll talk about it in another episode, but that that's where he said, um, it's like a, a you, you have a, a circle in the center and he wrote why, and outside of that he wrote how, and then at the very outer circle he wrote what. And he said most companies focus on marketing what they do. I'm guilty of that as well. Spent years marketing what we do, what product, what service, what reason you should buy it, right, what. And he said, but nobody really cares about what you do. And that was a little harsh, but... But he's not wrong. Nobody really cares about what you do, right? They might like your product, they might like your service, but they don't emotionally connect with what you do. Um, unless it's like something related to chocolates, let's be honest. So what, what happens is people actually connect to why you do what you do, right? And he gave examples in that video, and I'd encourage you to go watch it. But uh, what he was saying, in effect, was... The things that motivate you that are that you're passionate about are the very same things that people will connect to. And he talked about the the brain uh, and uh, the limbic system, and and we'll get into that later. Um, but it it's a really it's a really great background in terms of understanding uh, how the brain works. And it, so you know this isn't just theory what we're talking about with branding and, and emotion, emotional connection and longevity of relationships, it's, it's how we're wired as humans. So um, I'd encourage you to go look up that video and watch it for a little bit more background. Um, but anyway, getting back to this. Um, so uh, define your brand uh, and then be customer centric, right? You want to go out to customers. You want to find out um, what about your brand resonates with them. So if you're an established brand, you've been around for a long time, uh, you want to find out, like, you know, wh how, what do people think of you and, and why do they think that? And that will help you understand um, what you're doing right, uh, maybe what you're putting out there you don't want to be putting out there, and, and help you maybe do a little bit of a tune-up on your brand, which is, you know, it, it, being introspective is important. It's very important to be honest and to have that information. Um, so being customer-centric... Here's some other things you probably maybe would be less comfortable about, uh, but you need to do or you need to consider doing. Um, move away from being transactional in your marketing, right? And put the needs of your customer ahead of your marketing data. So one example of this would be, and a lot of people are talking about this. This isn't my unique idea, um, but people are talking about ungating content. Like right now, a lot of people will, they'll, they'll have, say, a white paper, a, a video, a PDF, Roundup, uh, infographic, uh, not a lot of those still, but something in that category. And, you know, they'll run uh, paid ads, might be running it on Facebook or, um, you know, targeting you off a list because you signed up for a webinar, whatever it would be, and, or they bought a list from um, someone. And 
they they start emailing you about their white paper, you know, and, and if it's you know the top five this or the the five reasons you should be doing that or and it speaks to you or you're in the industry and you go you know what this is part of my industry I should at least you know check this out. That's your level of interest, right? You go in and then you're like, oh, of course. Of course, I have to give them my name, I have to give them my email address, I'm giving my title, I have to give them how many people are in my company, I have to tell them if I'm immediately interested. You know, so you go through this process, it's a gate, right? Nobody nobody wants to fill that out. Like, nobody wants to be marketed to because they're going to get a white paper. Now, if they want the white paper enough, yeah, they'll fill it out. And, and that could be your logic, but do they want to be filling it out? No. And what do you think happens when they get that first email from you as a follow-up that says, that just they just see who it's from. They're like, oh, i got to delete that. i got to remember to unsubscribe from that list now, right? You've just created a chore for them. And you go, well, wait a minute. No, no, no. I created a white paper. This is, this is you know, you're, they're giving something, they're getting something. That's the problem. You don't want people to feel like, they are obligated, right? I mean, nobody has ever said, yeah, listen, I want your white paper. Oh, and I want you to uh, put me in a drip nurture campaign where you just have a cadence of emails you send to me. That's, I find that relaxing. That's therapeutic, please. Oh, there's my weekly email. Nobody's ever said that. Nobody. I mean, people off their meds, people who have like maybe some, no, no. Not even them. No, nobody has said that. So being customer centric is like saying, be the customer. You're a customer, you buy stuff, right? You get annoyed by those emails, then you go to work and do the same thing to other people. Don't do it, ungate it. Here's the logic behind branding. You ungate the content, you give it to them. They see value in it, it creates positive impression. And I don't just mean like an impression, like, oh, they saw your ad. I mean, it creates an emotional, positive impression. Oh, that was, that was good. And they, gave, they just gave it to me for free. That person's more likely to do what? Share the white paper. Are they going to send someone a link to get the white paper? Eh, maybe. You put it on the page, you might get some shares. Well, not a lot, right? People don't become like apostle zealots for you because you know you didn't because you ungated something don't expect you know oh my grand gesture of ungating no just ungate and see what happens positive things will happen so um so again let's say that you didn't get people through a, a gated white paper let's say people like voluntarily signed up for your newsletter they just signed up right um, make sure that what you're sending them is meaningful. Find out what they care about, right? So one of the biggest uh, vague buckets on every web website is sign up for our newsletter. Who writes a newsletter anymore? Nobody. So what are you really sending them? Some product announcements, a blog that might interest them, usually offers. Do they want all, do you want all that stuff? You're more, so find out what people like. Give them content that they like, that builds an impression that's on brand, right? Then you're not just like, oh, yeah, here's another company selling me something. Is that, is that really going to build a brand impression and generate revenue for you? No. 
people are going to unfollow you. And if they have to unfollow you or they have to unsubscribe or they have, if they have to break away from you, then that's, that becomes the impression of you. Oh, that's a company that hounds me with emails. That's the company that, right? And then people talk about that. Have you seen these guys? Wow, they're really aggressive. You know, no, no chat. I don't want to put a half an hour uh, meeting on your calendar. Thanks for sending me that email, right? So be thoughtful. Find out what people want. Give them content they're interested in that's valuable to them, that puts you in a good light. You have control over all that. You own all of that. Right? The only thing you have to do is be customer-centric in your focus and not focused on what you want, but what on they want. And then you'll have a much better result. Okay, so, so the third thing, which we've already talked about, is combine brand marketing at the core of your growth marketing strategy. Okay, focusing on brand and customer needs at the core of your marketing will move you away from transactional marketing. It'll increase customer retention, loyalty, and in some cases, not the majority, the minority, you'll actually create advocacy. And that's where people are, you know, whether they're influencers, the way we define them today, or they're just people who have strong opinions and people believe them, uh, then you have word of mouth marketing working on your behalf, right? So it, it, it definitely works in your favor uh, to build brand and be customer centric. Um, and of course, this again gets you over that plateau and leads to higher lifetime value per customer. Uh, it sounds simple. It's not. It takes time and commitment. It takes a buy-in from um, the executives at your company, or you as the owner of the company, or you in a ten by ten fruit stand at farmers market on a Thursday night uh, when those come back. Uh, it, it takes commitment. It takes the ability to understand and give the customers what they want to uh, pay attention to um, everything that you put forward about yourself, your brand, your uh, service out into the public. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to get buy-in for and it, it's expensive. It's time-consuming. It's hard. And, and that's why... Um, very few companies do it very well, but um, it also is, uh, because of that, it gives you the ability to do it well. And that's the first episode of the Brand Evolution Show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, again, uh, if you want to uh, ask questions or you have feedback on the show, uh, you can reach me through uh, the chat function on the westwardmarketinglab.com website or, or through social channels. So I have links on the website. If you have uh, questions that you uh, want answered on the show, but you don't want to be identified, uh, don't worry. Uh, we will not identify anyone. It'll be an anonymous uh, show, uh, unless, of course, you want to be identified, uh, which, you know, that could be good for brand. Uh, you can uh, listen to the show uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts. Spotify, and uh, various other uh, gray area podcast, And I say that because we're, we're publishing through a prog podcast service, and it appears as though um, many other smaller podcast services scrape uh, the directories off of Apple and Google and Spotify and uh, republish. Um, whether they're supposed to or not, who knows, but, you know, good for us that they do. Also, uh, if you want to watch me read notes and not look at the camera, uh, you can do that. Watch the show episodes on our YouTube channel. 
uh, Westberg Marketing Lab on YouTube or uh, posted on the uh, Brand Evolution Show on our website. Uh, it's not that exciting, I have to warn you. Uh, it's literally me uh, sitting here uh, wearing my old man reading glasses and, and staring at my notes. Uh, anyway, I'll try to do better uh, as we go along. Uh, content from you and questions will obviously make it much better. Uh, my examples uh, make it more colorful, but uh, who am I kidding? I'm not going to try to monetize this. So uh, let's have some fun, and I'll see you on a future episode. Until then, uh, please go out, focus on your brand, build your brand, have fun with it, and uh, shoot me your questions, and uh, let's talk again later. Take care. Bye-bye.